Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to Good Job, where we interview some inspiring people from the music industry and look at their journey from their very worst job to present day. That moment where I pulled out of my family home to go to London, I'll never forget that how heartbroken I was because I was so excited. I was just like, yeah, things are great. My mum was upset. I was like, stop being upset. It's fine. Don't worry. And then I got in the van and I started driving and I was like, oh my God, this is happening. Hello, welcome to Good Job Podcast. During the series, we're going to be interviewing the inspiring people behind the music that you love. And today, our inspiring person is the West End actor and singer, Dan Buckley. He's starred in some amazing shows like Book of Mormon, Loserville, Eugenius, and I absolutely loved this interview. He was so open and honest, and he had some beautiful insights into making it in the entertainment industry, and also where to draw the line when deciding if a music career is right for you. During this episode, there was a crazy storm outside, so I hope you enjoy the mystical sounds of rainfall, thunder, and hail from outside. Good job. So, we're going to start with the usual question. What was your worst job? My worst ever job uh, was probably just working in a kitchen as yeah. a kitchen porter. I just, I'm scarred by the memory of having to clean the inside of an industrial dishwasher. The smell stays with you. I've done that as well. Isn't it the worst? It's disgusting. And you get treated like rubbish from the chefs and you burn your hands a lot because they just chuck boiling, scalding hot pans into the water and you pick it up and you're like, this is too hot. But yeah, that's probably the worst job I've ever had. When did you have to do that? I was my, I think it was like my first ever job. So like I was younger, mm-hmm. I guess it maybe taught me good work ethic and like graft because it's like nonstop. Yeah, and it's so hot as well. So hot. <laughs> the only payoff was getting to eat cake and being fed. If I'm working a long day, you get yeah. fed and you can pick whatever you want off the menu. So all the water weight you lose from sweating, you can put back on yeah. on the cakes. <laughs> yeah. And I always had the best chips. Lasagna and chips was actually probably at the time the best thing I ate there. I loved it. Could you ever imagine, like, when you were back at home, could you imagine you would be where you are now? I've always found it very interesting because when everyone says to me, um, when was the moment you knew? I don't have a moment. Mm -hmm. I know the age, I think I was around about, but I never saw a show that I went, that's what I want to do. I never never had a moment like that. All I knew was that it related to me. For some reason, I just enjoyed it. And I was lucky that I had parents that were like, well, go and do the local Amdram then, or, you know, how I found out about that, mm-hmm. or, you know, doing that sort of stuff. So I never really had these big aspirations of being in big West End shows. So a lot of the time, I didn't, that wasn't until I came down to London that I discovered that there was more musicals than I could possibly comprehend. <laughs> and I remember getting the coach down to see Adina Menzel in Wicked. And I guess that might have been a poignant moment. But all I saw of London was. Victoria. I got off the coach, went to the see the show, got went came out of the show and went back on the bus and went back up to Scotland again. So I didn't see any of London. I didn't do any touristy mm-hmm. stuff. So I never had a moment. So 
no, I didn't. I didn't ever think that I would become play leads in the West End or do international tours or do any of that. But I'm just glad that I met people I've met that have taught me lots of things and allowed me to sort of just practice my craft and do do what I love. So no, I never really thought about it. I think I've just always been totally surprised. Like, and now that I've got more experience, I'm just like, right, well, I know I don't want to do anything else. And I've always got an opportunity ahead of me. Like I've always got something to work towards. It's much harder for people who don't have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's much harder if you're an actor who doesn't get auditions. Like it's way easier for them to be like, well, I've got a job that I can get a full-time contract for. I can earn so much money a year. I could get I could get a mortgage, you know, that stuff. And it's easier for them to be like, that is the lifestyle that I actually want. I want that security. Mm -hmm. I want that lifestyle. But if I've always got a character in front of me, which I always do, you've always got something to work towards. But as soon yeah. as that goes, that's when it's hard. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um I count you as one of the reasons that I am here now. Because you were like, oh I'm moving to London to this course. If you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't be here in London. Wow. So that's down to you. Yes. I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> but that's amazing. Like that's I mean, wow. I can say who I thank for the reason I came yeah. down. Someone who just went, there's a college opening in London, I think we should go. And I was like, okay. And then I went and I got in and then... The rest is history. Yes. Yeah, so and weird. it feels like a little thing at the time. And then when you look back, you're like, actually, that was a real important moment because it changed Huge. the whole course. Yeah. Like leaving my family home for the first time, because I obviously lived in halls when I was at college where we first met. But I could go home whenever I wanted. I could go home every weekend if I wanted to. So I sort of transitioned quite easily. But that moment where I pulled out of my family home to go to London... I'll never forget that how heartbroken I was because I was so excited. I was just like, "Yeah, things are back great." My mum was upset. I was like, "Stop being upset. It's fine. Don't worry." And then I got in the van and I started driving, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is happening." It's uh, it's hard leaving it's home, huge. especially when you come from like a small rural community, yeah. and you've probably gone to a tiny school. Yeah. And I mean, we both come from a similar background, yeah. and then you're like. Oh, London. Yeah. yeah. And it's so weird because um, I never really had the, I need to get out of this town. Like, I didn't ever really have that. But I guess I was bored and I didn't really like the small town sort of feel. Um, and I didn't feel like I ever had like a proper group of friends, especially because I went to school in Perth. So, you know, I had my friends in Perth. So I guess I never really had that. I want to get out of here. But now when I go back, I'm like, I love just the fresh air, the quiet, the slow pace, just like being able to chill being able to see like proper a proper sky oh the stars, stars at night yeah like that's that's mm -hmm. the dream especially at christmas time <laughs> yeah it's yeah. so nice it's so opposite from london but it's just yeah. nice to get that break isn't it yeah. um so what have been your best moments so far doing eugenius as a whole mm -hmm. was a total joy and the things that it did for my mental health and the things it did for other people was something I've never experienced before. Like, wow. the fan base for that show and the people for that character was just wild for me. What specifically, in terms of what do other people... People think? just... People used to message me and they used to speak to me um, at stage door and they would say things like, because of Ferris, I am not ashamed to be who I am. That's and some so people nice. said, because of your portrayal of Ferris, like the way I played it, but I'll always go back to the book and I'll always say, you know, I'm giving everything by by what's written and um, I could bring an element of me to it. But yeah, that was the most common one is, you know, I feel like I, because of his confidence, I feel like I can embrace being a bit more of myself. Yeah. And as weird as that may be, it's nobody else's problem. I have 
they acknowledge that they have friends and that's all you need. All you need is, is a few friends who you can be yourself with. Mm-hmm. And that always really touched me. And there were people that, there was a girl that spoke to me that had severe autism and she explained that to me and she, and she was just very direct um, with how she spoke about her passion for that part. And I just felt totally honoured. I just felt totally honoured that I was representing or that I was playing somebody who people just related to in such a way. Yeah. It was a real honour. I've never had that on a job before. Yeah. Um, I think it's because other parts I played, like even Elder Cunningham, you know, it still feel quite far removed from other people. Obviously, Elder Cunningham's a Mormon, so there's one massive <laughs> character trait that people are like, well, I don't really relate to that. Um, but yeah, just like being in school and, you know, playing a kid in school who just has two mates and they all just get on and just they know each other so well. I, I guess, yeah. Also, lose. I'll never, ever, ever forget the opening night of Loserville in the West End. Never, ever. That moment where we all bowed at the end was really, really special. Yeah. Going to Australia, seeing the Sydney, playing at Sydney Opera House, that's up there. That's a dream, the though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that totally. But I couldn't believe it. I was just walking around Australia like, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> like just the Sydney Opera House is not at all as I imagined it would be. Like, it's so different. Yeah, just the whole experience was wild yeah. yeah so they're like three like massive highlights for me yeah you've done like some super cool jobs mm. but have you ever had any doubts all the time yeah all the time i think even when you're in the really awesome jobs you have doubts you get imposter syndrome where you think should i even be here do they like me am i the right guy for the job but i think as, as i get older i sort of i can look around the room and and try and make myself aware that I'm meant to be where I am you know Mm -hmm. I'm meant to be there I'm meant to be with this group of people and that comes from you know stopping worrying about trying to make everyone my best friend and you know all the different things that come with being an actor and meeting new pods of people Mm. multiple times a year you know there are so many people who do office jobs or or real jobs that you know support you better and you have way more like structure who have their work friends and they're their work friends until they leave Whereas actors meet new groups of people all the time. So I think one of the biggest worries and fears I sort of had when I first started out was always trying to make everyone my friend and trying to feel like I was everyone's friend. Mm-hmm. And if someone didn't give me attention or didn't acknowledge me, I'd worry, oh my God, they don't like me, they don't like me. And that was one of the biggest hurdles I overcome on the Book of Mormon, actually. I'd done a few jobs and I was like, I'd always worry. And then I, I had to just reflect and be like, hold on a second, like... I can't physically take all these people and be their best friend forever. Like, mm-hmm. all I can do is be the nicest person I can be and be welcoming and chatty to everybody and let the pe- my forever friends, I call them, the people that you gravitate to the easiest, that you stick with after the contract ends um, and gravitate towards them and just let that happen. So that's probably the biggest worry and stuff I've I've had is worrying about being liked yeah. um which i guess stems from just being an insecure actor in general i but, mean everyone has that fear though it's yeah. so normal yeah. and when you are meeting like different groups of people all the time yeah i mean you you get such a strong bond straight yeah. away because you are doing quite an intense job yeah and then it kind of disperses yeah. and sometimes you never see people again yeah. and, and it's that, such a weird yeah and that becomes that also that's a fear that will never go away is worrying when the job ends that's a, a consistent thing that will always happen you know you can't just sit in a job because jobs end, the contracts run out. Even in long-running West End shows, they could not invite you back for another contract. You know, there are various things they could look for new people to come in. So you can never really just sit on your laurels, rest on your laurels. Is that the phrase? Yeah. yeah. You can't just be like, well, I'm in a job now, so I'm here. 
Yeah. Because you're always like, halfway through the contract, you're like, well, are they going to ask me to stay? Do I want to stay? Am I happy here? So that's a consistent worry. That's a consistent fear of being an actor, is that, you, that knowing when the next job's going to come or the job that you're in, when it's going to end, and yeah. having to go back to finding a job that just supports you while you're not acting. Mm. And that is difficult because most people have jobs, you know, maybe they'll search for a new job every five years or mm-hmm. something. Some people never really, they yeah. just stay they in the progress, same job. Or they, they're yeah. happy to stay there, they progress, there's a natural progression in most companies. And some people, if they don't progress quick enough, they go, right, well, I'm going to move somewhere where I can progress. Mm-hmm. But with it being a performer, it's kind of like you can progress, but you can also regress. You don't go, ever go backwards because you're always learning and you're always developing your skills. But you can go from being the lead in a huge West End show to being an ensemble second cover in another yeah. show but you take that because it fulfills you some people wouldn't but you know from the, an outsider's perspective you could think well hang on a minute so it's all you can be all over the place you can mm-hmm. be a swing on one job where you're not even on stage every night and you're learning all this stuff and you have this mammoth amount of stuff to learn which is in my opinion the hardest job in any company or you can be do your next job you can just be you could be in the ensemble and doing the easiest track with no understudies no worries just mm-hmm. like doing your job each was a week and you're chilled and you're happy and mm-hmm. all of that always changes yeah and but, also there's the jobs in between like yeah. even if you've had a really massive job then you know everyone's still doing promo work I know someone who's literally like one in Olivier and then I caught up with him the other day and he was like oh yeah I'm just doing some promo work and you're like you've won an Olivier it feels mm-hmm. so weird and people from the outside of the industry don't realize how up and down it can yeah. be yeah I, I listened to a podcast where an actor was talking about the fact that they had done a job and it had done quite well and it transferred into the West End and then it transferred to Broadway. They did it on Broadway, they won a Tony Award. Um, they developed it for TV, they did it on TV and then she didn't get an audition after that for two years. <sighs> I mean, that's like stratospheric. Like to go, yeah. f- to do a job and for it to progress like that and to go from like just jobbing to like feel like you're like this next big thing to having nothing for two years. That is the ultimate reality check, you know? Yeah. There, I know lots of people who have won awards and I guess I'm lucky I've been nominated for awards and stuff, but they don't they don't develop your career as much as you think they will. It depends on the job, I think. You know, you've got people like Denise Goff who did a job that everybody was talking about and you had to go and see the show for her to do to, in People Places things. And you watched her performance and it was phenomenal and I went to see it the night after she won her Olivier so she brought it on stage and she was so proud of it and it wasn't arrogant it was like I worked my ass off for this because she did she has her whole career and then you've got actors like that who would that who because of the role because of the job they did on that will progress whereas you've got people who are quite are more niche that win an award for something very niche and then it's hard to just be that chameleon yeah and, and you just never know you could be on a massive high and yeah. you think like everything yeah. is going to be great and then you're like yeah. Oh, cool. Well, oh, I'm just working in a bar now. Yeah. Like, and, and that's just normal. And um, it is always, regardless of awards, it's always knowing your worth. That's the important thing. Yeah. Is like, that even when you are working in a bar and when you're working in front of house or when you're working in retail or when you're working all these, these other jobs that support you and pay your rent or your mortgage or whatever, is knowing your worth and knowing that you wouldn't be doing the in-between jobs if you didn't believe you had that in work to come. Is that how you get through it? Yeah. I think so. I think I've been really lucky. I feel like I, I've got an amazing network of people, friends around me that all get it and they all understand. I'm lucky I've worked pretty much in the same 
place out of acting work for about five years and they're really amazing they always bring me back and they're always very welcoming but yeah it's just knowing that being seen for work is a privilege booking work is even more of a privilege and continuing to work is like the most amazing feeling and knowing that you've made connections and made you can never rely on those connections but you know you can you can rely that you've built up a good skill set to be able to put into most jobs i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And how do you deal with auditions? And that's right up and down as well, because... Sometimes you'll go through a stage of not getting very many auditions. I, I mean, I don't know you personally, but people do. And then if you do, then there's a lot of pressure all the time. Mm -hmm. I think it's knowing not to put all your eggs in one basket. And that's easier for people who get a lot of aud auditions. Um, if you don't get a lot of auditions and you've had one in three months, then of course you're going to be like, this is important. I want to book this. But um, I don't get that many auditions. I think I maybe get four a month, maybe, mm -hmm. which maybe is quite a lot. Maybe it's even less than that. But it feels like I'm always sort of preparing for something or thinking about something or I'm always speaking to my agent about something. When I first started out, I was fine. I was kind of uh, just trying my hardest. And then I started, uh, I was in my audition for Louisville. My second audition for Louisville, I vomited before I went in. And then for the finals, I literally, they were like, okay, in you come. And I walked to the door and I said, I'm sorry, I have to go to the toilet. I ran to the toilet and was sick. And then I went in the room, I know, and it got worse and worse from that point onwards. So every audition for for Mormon, which was once every week for about eight weeks, I was sick for every audition, literally before my final audition. I was so violently ill in the toilet and nobody knew about it. And it was all just water and it, was, it wasn't anything gross, but it was just like nerves. And I thought for a while I got over that until a few weeks ago when I was auditioning for something else and I really wanted it. I think it comes, if I really want it, and I don't know that I got to the furthest point where I can book the job. So it's different if, you know, do your first round, your second round, then it starts getting serious because you think, right, they like me, I'm doing something right, I need to make sure I nail this material and just prove to them that I can do this job. And I was in Common Garden and I just was sick in the street because I was so nervous. So, oh, no. so auditions are like... They vary for me. Play auditions, I tend not to be sick for. I think I think it's singing. It must be singing that yeah. makes me that nervous because play auditions are, are different to musical because you just kind of sit down, you have way more of a chat, it's way more in-depth and I don't have to worry about the song and that, that material. But yeah, I still vomit, I guess. Do you um, get like that for shows at all? Uh, yes, right before I went on stage for my very first show in the Book of Mormon, I was very calm. I always knew to be very calm. And I said to myself, when I get that call, say because I was a standby, so it could have happened at any point. I said to myself, as soon as I know that I'm going to go on, 
I'm going to be really chill. I'm going to carry on with my day. I'm going to go into work because I was well rehearsed because in rehearsals I had to go on because Jared Gertner, who was uh, playing the role, got sick just at the very end of rehearsal. So I had to go on. So I knew what I knew what I was doing. And I got the call and I was watching a film with my wife and she was like, you're on, aren't you? I was like, yeah. And I pressed play and they carried on watching it. In my head, I was like, right, you can do this, you can do this. I got to work and everyone was like, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. We'll run a couple of numbers and I'll be fine. And I was inside, I was panicking. But I didn't want it to make it, didn't want to make it anybody else's stress because they all know their show. They don't want to feel more nervous because I'm going on. Like I wanted to be confident so they all knew that they could just do their show and all I was going to do was enhance it for them because it would be a new experience for them to see me go on. And I got into the wings. <laughs> and as soon as that doorbell went, I was like, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to throw up. And I had to try and find a bin. I couldn't find one. So I had to run substation. I ran to the wig room and hovered over the sink. And I just heaved over the sink. And I was like, I don't have time to linger here. I have to go up because I'm about to go on stage. And I ran back onto the wings and straight onto stage. Wow. That was a lot. That hasn't happened since that, yeah. that extreme. But I guess that maybe this would happen again if I took another understudy or, um, you know, standby role. Yeah. Um, what do you think that was specifically about that role that made you feel like that? It was the biggest role I played. Mm-hmm. It was the lead. Mm-hmm. You know, Cunningham and, and Price are the two leads. Lots of energy and big house, you know, massive show. Like the yeah. show was so, that first year of Mormon was like so hyped. Everyone was so excited for it. I think it was just pressure. My wife then came and she paid a fortune for her ticket and she sat there and she said she was just as nervous. But yeah, you just... Yeah, I think it was just because the show was so huge mm. and because I was an understudy. Yeah. You know, it's nerve-wracking. You ca- you know, you there's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Well, it was a great show and I think, like, again, it is natural. And it's good for people to know that even when you've worked a lot, yeah. you still get nervous. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. I think... I mean, nerves are great. I love, I love the feeling of being really prepared and nervous. That's fine with me. But when you're nervous because you're unprepared, that's when I vomit. I mean, I was ready for Mormon, but I think in the moment you feel unprepared because you've just never done it before. Mm. I think if you go through a rehearsal period, like for Eugenius, I was playing the role in rehearsal, so I knew what I was doing. All I had to do was put it on stage. Actually, the first show of Eugenius, the very first preview of Eugenius, I was asleep. I went to have a nap after the technical rehearsal, the dress rehearsal, and I went to in a different room and then I had this big banging on the door and I was like, I'm trying to sleep, leave me alone. And someone came running in, full costume, mic on. They were like, dude, we're about to start. And I was like, don't lie. And he was like, seriously, we're about to start. We've had beginners. And I was like, no, you're lying. You're really lying. He was like, no, no. And I was supposed to be doing booth singing at the very top of the show. I had to run into my dressing room, throw my, throw my costume on, throw my mic on and be in the wings within about three or four minutes. But yeah, I think feeling unprepared in the sense of not knowing what you're what the experience is, because you don't know, as a standby, you don't know what the technical experience is at that point, like mm. how to actually do it in front of an audience with everyone, full light and costume, everything. Yeah. So that kind of unpreparedness is what makes you really nervous. It was, Loserville was first, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Loserville was the first show I did. Yeah. yeah. And then you were Book of Mormon and then Eugenius was afterwards, which... Yeah, Eugenius was a couple of years after that. Yeah. yeah, which I've already told you is my boyfriend's like, he loves that show mm. and he loved you particularly in it. He was, like, he was like, oh, that Dan's amazing. And I was like, I know Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? That show was a gift. It really was a gift for everyone who saw it and everyone who was in it. I was lucky that they, I didn't know anything about it, obviously, for the workshop. They did this workshop at the London Palladium. It was the biggest <laughs> one night engagement I've ever known. I was auditioning for it and I was like, I recognise this guy. Like, what's going on here? I was like, Ben Adams from A1. I'm like, why is he on the panel? Maybe he's in it. Like, what's the deal here? I didn't know anything. Did my song. Panel was lovely. I got a recall. Went in, did the material. 
And then that night after that, I only did two auditions. That night I got home, and I and they did a press release saying, Warwick Davis is producing this new musical. He's going to be in it with all these people: Sam Estrella and Amy Lennox, Louis Masco, David Bedella, and all these people that that have been booked to do this workshop. And I was like, okay, I need that job now. But mm-hmm. if I'd known that beforehand, I think I would have crumbled. Yeah. And it was going to be at the London Palladium, and I was like, this, I need to do this. I need to do this. And then I, luckily I was offered, and I did a good job. I loved it. It was like it was written for me. And they asked me to, They, I kept pounding them. I was like, when's it going into production? When is it happening? They're like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then eventually it did. And I got an offer and it was amazing. And then it finished its run and then it came back for another run and I got another offer for that. And it was just one of the most amazing experiences. I met friends for life. I had a bit of a, a weird time on a job before that where I'd lost a lot of confidence, like a lot of confidence. Okay. And that really built up my confidence again to, to feel worthy because the creative team were just so generous and kind and supportive and they really taught me how to own my skills again like Ferris as a character was so confident and he didn't care and he was just such a he was such a cool dude in his own way even though in the show he's grotesque and everyone's like what is this boy but that really helped me because you kind of have to just be able to play around and have fun yeah I mean, yeah. a lot of the characters you play, they're really fun and they're often quite geeky, which is quite funny because when you were younger, I didn't really ever see you as like a geeky person. No. I fell into um, this nerd slash geek slash sci-fi obsessed, you know, outcast misfit very quickly. And it's probably to do with my weight. It's probably yeah. because I was a bigger boy. I could do comedy. I could do awkward really well. And I've played a lot of roles that fit that bracket but it's trying like it's knowing that I'm good at that and I can do it with my eyes closed and I get it but it's also like not being lazy as well like Ferris was great because he had way more to do in terms of his content in the show um so it was easier for me to find uh, different traits in him but like sometimes I feel like if I got asked to do a workshop for example they were like oh we loved uh, your performance in Louisville or whatever then I know what they're looking for but it's trying to keep it fresh for me because I could easily just do the same thing for every part there are actors out there who do the same thing for every role and they're employed because of that and I went through a period where I was like should I just embrace that and just do the same but even if it comes across the same I like to think I've made really different choices so it, the way it presents itself can be similar but I know that I've made different vocal choices or different physicality choices that may be subtle, but they make the way more interesting for me to play. Yeah. Don't want to just sit back and just play the same old rubbish every time. Yeah, of course. And you mentioned your weight there. Do you find that as being a blessing? Like, is that something that's been difficult for you? I mean, I yo-yo. Yeah, Um, okay. I go through periods, you know, when I was at um, my drama school, I lost lots and lots of weight. I think when we first met, I was probably... Even then, I was probably had lost weight and probably had gained weight again. But then I went to drama school and lost a load of weight. Still thought I was fat. Classic body dysmorphia issues. And then started gaining weight again after that. But then when I was in Mormon is when I got my biggest because I was sitting sitting in a dressing room eating McDonald's, watching films and singing along to the the show and doing my rehearsals and stuff, but just not really looking after myself. And I Mm. really ballooned. And then after that, I did a job where I discovered the gym properly for the first time. And then mm-hmm. I lost, I think in total, I lost like four stone. And I was like, great, I feel amazing. I got yeah. married. I felt incredible. It was like all these things yeah. getting up to this moment. And then I put on a bit more weight. And then now I kind of feel like I'm just sort of sitting in a in a place where I I could lose, lose a bit of weight if I wanted. But at the moment, I just want to be the fittest version oh, of yeah. my body size. Yeah. Which I think I tried for a long time, but I kept yeah. losing weight. Yeah. And so I kept just being smaller. And my agent was like, don't lose any more weight because you're going to change what you are. You know, you're going to change your casting bracket. bracket. You're going to 
although I like to I like to try and encourage others not up to me I like to try and encourage you know people of all different shapes and sizes being considered for all different types of roles you know mm-hmm. it's not just the fat guys who can play the the geek or the loser you know it's not just the, the thin beautiful guys who can play the love interest you know mm. everyone falls in love you know everyone's a geek everyone's you know all different shapes and sizes have these different traits but um at the moment I feel like I'm at a place where I'm not in love with my body shape but okay. I'm also like I know where I can shop I know what clothes are good on me I know what I like to wear and yeah. I don't have to worry about throwing clothes out or having to buy more I like, think you look great I oh, think thanks. you don't need to worry about it <laughs> yeah thank and you in, in some ways as you say there's like a, a casting bracket there which is kind of a shame I think you're right and there should be more especially in musical theatre I think mm-hmm. where anyone can play anything mm-hmm. and it's I want to say it's getting, getting better it's, it's not really but it's nice like I mean I, w- I went to New York recently and the prom the lead girl in the prom and this is uh, you shouldn't even I shouldn't even be commenting on weight but it's just watching that like A she's representing the LGBT LGBT yeah, yeah LGBTQ community that's what it is uh, she's representing that but she's also representing normal sized women she's not a size 8 and she's holding the show and she looks great and I remember just thinking how amazing that you can be a love interest and you can represent this world and you can just be this amazing role model for anybody mm-hmm. because yeah and I'd like to see more of that you know in the West End Definitely. but you know it's it's getting there it has to get there because well it's a shame that like a lot of people and a lot of musical theatre fans feel like they can't make it maybe in musical theatre because of weight and things <laughs> like that yeah. when they can. One, they can. And two, I, I mean, it's now the time that we need to, like, break through. And yeah. it is, as you say. So the more that it, yeah. these, like, stories are being told, the yeah. better it gets. It's funny. You can have a conversation with somebody and they go, oh, my God, did you see that person was, like, normal-sized? And yeah. they get really excited by that. And I love that. Well, it's just such a shame, though, that it has to be like that yeah. as well, though. Yeah. And um, no wonder everyone's got a bit of body dysmorphia because yeah. we feel like everyone you see on TV or on the stage is like... Presented a certain way, yeah. They're all tiny. And yeah. especially, you know, I guess there's a lot of dancers and stuff like that, so because yeah. of exercise. Yeah, of course. But um, that's not how normal people look. Yeah, and some shows... Um, not to name any, but some shows will literally be like, well, we need someone that size because that's what the last person was. Well, it's costumes it and stuff like that yeah. as well. And it's like... How about you just make another costume? Clearly you're doing well if you, you've recast it 50 times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. But I think <laughs> yeah. that, like, the world is changing for the better. Oh, for sure. For the sure. better. Cool. So, now, what are you... You're doing, you've been doing some really cool things. You did your... You were doing some presenting recently. Tell me about I did. That. I presented at a concert at Cadogan Hall with one of my best friends, Scott, which was... We've kind of established ourselves as a, as a duo mm-hmm. uh, professionally. Hopefully, now we've done that and with our channel and stuff. And I think yeah, yeah, so they've got a really great YouTube channel. So do head we over. We have a fun YouTube channel. It's um, fun. It's fun sure. and it's educational and it's it's great. Um, it's silly. <laughs> it's yeah. And so yeah, that was a real sort of eye opener for us because we were both extremely nervous, but we both sort of got through it. And the people that were at the concert were obviously fans of the industry and knew who we were some of them anyway so that felt nice but I feel like it's something we could definitely definitely take further and because mm. we can support each other we bounce off each other that rapport mm-hmm. is really important I don't think I could do it on my own no way yeah but I'm having each other but yeah just think yeah I'd like to do more of that okay so have you got any advice for people who want to get into musical theatre yes follow your gut but always be prepared for what you perceive as rejection or what you perceive as failure. Use that to instigate, to light a fire in your belly, 
to prove people wrong or whatever, however you want to take it, every knockdown, because that's what this whole industry is about, is be is like being resilient and being, you know, is getting back up again, is using it every time to be like, sure, so I need to prove that you were mistaken there or um, I need to prove that I can do something else. You know, yeah. once one door closes, another opens, and I believe that. And there's always something to learn as well. So often, always. often you'll not get something, you'll be like, oh, well, maybe next time I'll do this. Yeah, and, you know, every job is going to be different and it could be a, a plethora of reasons why you didn't book it. But and just getting into it, I think just be open to educating yourself and don't get stuck. Listen and learn from everybody around you. Um, take criticism as well as you can and always believe in yourself you always have to believe in yourself you have to deep down actually believe not just be like yeah well it's fine I'm going to be cool I'm going to be good it's going to be I'm going to get work or I'm going to succeed but it's actually knowing that that is the only thing that keeps you going is that you know you're worthy Mm -hmm. so for all the rejection you know it should instigate you know more passion yeah I guess if you've got a thread like that you can hang on to yeah also don't be scared if you if you've graduated, if you've gone to drama school and you've graduated, you've been out for a while and you're not getting the opportunities, don't be scared to find other ones. Like the one thing I think drama school taught me was that they gave me skill sets for life. Like not just for mm. you know, performing, but for life. Like I can go I could go and get an office job now and, and the things that I was taught there would make me the best person in that office at my job. Because they teach you discipline, they teach you mechanisms to just be the best regardless so mm-hmm. they do teach you how to be the best performer you can be but they also teach you how to be the best human so don't be scared to take another path and speak to people about that and make sure that you are making the right decision because it's never once you're trained or even if you haven't trained if you want to do it you can always do it whenever you want but if at the moment it's not working for you and it's making you unhappy go find something that makes you happy and do that for a bit whether it's financial security whether it's um, a new craft whether it's something else Mm-hmm. do that and find you're happy again and then get back into it once you feel strong enough once you feel resilient enough you can go back into it what is next for you do you know or are you are you in the audition game i'm in the audition game i at the time of recording this i'm waiting to hear on two jobs okay that's I've exciting been, i've been waiting to hear from one for three weeks oh. <laughs> so i don't think that's going to go my way but the last thing they said was i'm on a stronghold and they really really loved me which is lovely to hear but when then you don't hear anything it's like come on guys, communicate a bit more. And the other thing, I don't know if they're going to see me again or whether it was just an audition. I did a workshop for the show so they know who I am and I went into audition and I really, really want to book it. <laughs> there, you know, there are jobs out there that just feel so right. So at the moment, I'm just waiting. But who knows when this comes out, I might have had a reje- you know, rejection from both of them. Or you might be like, oh, I'm doing this really cool job. Yeah, never or, or I'm doing something completely different. Exactly. You know, I could get Who a phone knows? call in half an hour and have an audition for something next week and book it and be doing something else for Christmas. You know, yeah. you never you never know. And that's one of the exciting things, I guess. But at the moment, I'm just sort of happy doing my in-between acting job um, with great people. I feel like that's sort of where I'm at. I'm just sort of kind of content and, you know, pers- my personal life, like we're renovating our house. Like there's loads of like real cool personal stuff coming up. And like I remember when I got married, I took four months specifically out and I said nothing I don't even want to hear a sniff of an audition for four months um, and then after the five months around that I didn't get any auditions so it was nine months in total it was a long period where I hadn't had any work but four of that I like to I always say well four that was a choice but that yes. felt amazing it really felt amazing to be like no no I, I'm not acting 
I'm put this. I'm on a hiatus. I'm focusing on real life, renovating my house a bit when we first moved in and getting married and doing all that stuff and going on a honeymoon yeah. and not having to worry about what job offers are going to come in or what auditions are going to come in. That's important sometimes to spend some time so working important. on yourself. Yeah. And then you can give yourself to the job properly. Yeah. And again, I know that I'm privileged to have been able to take that, make that choice. You know, there are some people mm. who don't get to make the choice to take time out. You know, they just go, well, I haven't had a job in a year, so I haven't ever had... And they live in that whole period of well can I, I'm not going to can't book a holiday I can't do this can't do that because I might get this whereas if you actively make a choice and say no I do not want to hear I don't want to do anything and I was lucky enough to be able to do that I am well aware of that you know when mm-hmm. Adam's like yeah I just sort of took time out you know and everyone's like well good for you you can make that choice like I understand there's a privilege there but real life is important if you have a big thing coming up you know a big life you're getting married or you're moving house or you're buying a house or something don't try if you've got the structure there to pay your bills and pay your way don't worry necessarily about the acting stuff because what's for you won't go by you. Yeah, you'll that's the, a really nice the, attitude. Yeah, you'll get the jobs you're meant to get. Yeah, it's super nice and it's so difficult to think like that, but it is, if you can get into that mindset of like, it's fine, then uh, the yeah. life is a lot easier. Yeah, and again, I know that it's easy. It's easier for me to say that because I mm-hmm. have a CV of jobs that I've done, you know, I've worked you know, every year that mm. I've graduated, I've done jobs. So it's easy, again, I know it's easy for me to say that. So I can totally understand the people that sit there and go, yeah, well, that is easy for you to say. You know, I haven't had an opportunity like that yet. And it's been a year and a half to two years of me being graduated. And I understand that. But that's where it's like, if you're unhappy, you've got to go and try and find your happy somewhere else and speak to your support network, your management, your agent, your whoever, directors you work with, and speak to them, practice your craft a bit more, do other things to try and find that, ignite that fire. Yeah, and don't be scared to go on unusual routes either, yeah, I think. 100%. There's no, like, set way of doing no it. No set way. Be- Create your own opportunities if you, ha- if you can, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm a big believer of that. Yeah. For sure. Great. Well, thank you for coming in. Oh. This has been great. It's been a dream. Good job. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.